Our very existence depends on this. This black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity and feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Our guest today is Mr. Reggie Ware, CEO of blackdoctor.org. And we'll be speaking with Mr. Ware about community building, advocacy, and representing our own interests. I'm Jason James, executive producer, and I'm joined by our esteemed host, Dr. Michael Lenore, a physician, medical reporter, and a past president of the National Medical Association. Dr. Lenore, wondering if you can shed some light on the recently FDA-approved coronavirus treatment known as covalescent plasma. Well, covalescent plasma is plasma from patients that have been previously infected with coronavirus. You would think that they would have been substantial amounts of antibodies to give to patients, and probably they do. Unfortunately, yesterday, the president and the FDA commissioner announced it was a game changer. It was a revolutionary change in the outcomes for patients who use this treatment with coronavirus infection, as much as 35% improvement in terms of reduction in those people that died. It was unfortunate because everybody then believed that this would be a real substantial change in our ability to treat these patients. But in point of fact, the the FDA commissioner said he, he was criticized for the remarks he made about the benefits of the convalescent plasma. The criticism was entirely justified. What he should have said is that this was a few patients who were already getting a number of different treatments, so there's really no conclusion. And it's very unusual for a scientist of the quality of the FDA commissioner, uh, Dr. Hahn, to make a mistake like this. And it was very premature for the president to announce this change. What makes it such a difficult stretch is that at some point we will have a vaccine. But with instances like this where information is given which is inaccurate and not transparent for political reasons, it's going to prevent a lot of people from going to get a vaccine at all. And especially in a suspicious community like the African-American community where a vaccine absolutely the right vaccine. It absolutely reduced the risk to our communities. This is just a bad step, almost an unconscionable step um, by our political leaders. Right. Well, I'd say that's pretty consistent with what we've seen from them thus far. And it's so important that African-Americans have trusted and vetted information. That's why uh, we're glad to have the opportunity to talk today to Mr. Reggie Ware. Mr. Ware is at present the CEO of BlackDoctors.org. BlackDoctors.org is one of the nation's largest health and wellness destinations for black Americans. Starting 14 years ago, BlackDoctor.org is considered one of the most trusted health resources for African Americans. Mr. Ware's career has been spent fighting health disparities for black Americans by educating, forming, and inspiring this audience to make better choices about their health, something we share with him at Black Doctors Speak. At a time when African Americans are disproportionately affected by the coronavirus, as well as all chronic diseases, I sat down with Mr. Ware to talk about what he's learned through his platform about the health issues facing black America. Mr. Ware, welcome to our program. 
Hi, Dr. Lenore. It's a pleasure to be here. What is this thing you call blackdoctors.org? Blackdoctor.org is a um, health and wellness destination. First of all, if you look at the name, blackdoctor.org, two most trusted icons are the black preacher and the black doctor. So it's, uh, uh, and that's why it's singular. It's an iconic name that lets our audience understand that, man, this is health information that I can trust, right? So the platform is designed to give people culturally accurate health information that they can digest and then make a part of their lives so that they can live this healthy, happy life. Our total reach is uh, 20 million per month. And it fluctuates, uh, for example, the true reach for this month right now is 25 million. But, you know, it fluctuates. So we typically stay around 19, 20 million per month. And that's 5 million on the website. Right now we have 20 million reach on, on, on just Facebook alone. But, uh, but we typically say we're around 20 million a month. Now your career is taking you down many paths of media. The natural question, where did you turn to health? It wasn't an aha moment. It was sort of a natural progression. I grew up as an athlete. The health was near and dear to me. The impact that you can make on an individual's life, if you can improve their health. I like to say health and happiness because if you're healthy, typically you can also, you're also happy, right? It appeared to me in my life's mission that if I wanted to make a difference, if I wanted to make a great impact, the area of health would be an area of focus that could possibly uh, bring that to fruition. And so uh, growing up as an athlete, growing up in Cincinnati, Ohio, I just recently learned that you lived in Cincinnati, which I is did. amazing, <laughs> small world. And, and, so, uh, and so, you know, growing up in Cincinnati, you know, there's a great emphasis placed on sports, athletics, and so forth. And, and so, so I've grown up exercising, being active, playing sports, went to college on a, on a football scholarship. When I went into, when I graduated from college, worked in an ad agency, and then from there, when I started my first business, it evolved into a public relations and marketing firm for doctors. And from there, I really learned this really special and amazing dynamic, which is the ability of a black doctor to talk to a patient, a black patient, right, and have a really good connection where the patient really feels inspired to, to take this doctor's advice, and they feel that they have a winning chance. But the net net of all of that is really learned the importance of creating health content in an authentic and, and meaningful way that connects with our audience, tapping into the uh, our culture. Our model at, at Black Doctor uh, is, and we call ourselves BDO, by the way, for sure, but our model at BDO is where wellness and culture connect, right? So if you can tap into... Uh, culture, a person's way of life, you know, how they live, how they think, you know, who they trust, what they trust, you know, what they share with family members. If you can tap into all of that with positive, healthy lifestyle information or life-saving, culturally accurate, healthy lifestyle information, man, now you're making a difference. Now you're giving people what they really need because our goal is not to motivate, it's to inspire. And black doctors have that ability to make that connection. And it, go, and it goes just across the spectrum, right, from uh, a person that's not being treated fairly, maybe it's through unconscious bias, or maybe the bias isn't, maybe the bias is conscious bias. But whatever the case may be, if that person feels that, and, and we've done studies on this, where only 10% of our audience feel that they can get a fair shake with the healthcare system, if the patient feels that he's not going to get a fair shake by going to the doctor, then they're not going to go and get the treatment they need, which is one of the reasons 
you know, our population live sicker and die younger. And so, you know, doctors, experts like yourself, uh, Dr. Lenore, that are world-renowned experts, well-respected on the planet, when the people like you and, and your colleagues on your level take the time out and talk to our audience, man, that's special. That's special. And, 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 and that's what we do with our platforms. What about your audience that surprised you the most? I mean, uh, as you start to see them come together as a community. The thing about our audience, and I wouldn't call it a surprise, uh, but it was an expectation. And a lot of times you can have expectations and expectations, they don't come through, but the expectation did come through. And this was the expectation. The expectation was that if we were to create this positive, uh, healthy lifestyle platform that uh, gave our audience the information they need to live this healthy, happy life, that they would embrace it and they would be incredibly passionate about it. And the passion of our user is what the expectation was, and that's what they've delivered on. And so when you talk to uh, our audience about who we are and what we mean to them, that passion comes forth loud and clear. So that's a expectation that we had hoped that we would achieve and I think we are achieving it. You know, this is a you know, this this decision that you made uh, obviously was a, both a, a personal and a business decision. What what have been some of the biggest obstacles to your success where other people have failed? The biggest obstacle is the racism in the in the in the country and and, and people's it, not wanting to target black patients. In our industry, you look at uh, pharmaceutical companies whose job is to find the patients that need the medicines and then market the medicines to the patients so that they can get the help that they need. But the pharma industry overall, they're not like a typical industry. Typically, they don't look for their patients, whoever they are, wherever they are, because blacks have a higher incidence of almost every disease out there, higher incidence of diabetes, asthma, as you know, uh, uh, heart disease, a uh, number of different cancers, colon cancer, prostate cancer, and so forth. But if you look at these advertise, these pharma marketers' ad campaigns, they only are targeted to the white patients in white media. And so, uh, and, and their spin may be zero <laughs> targeted to the black patients. But yet, the black patients have the higher, the higher incidence and the greatest need. And so, and you've got a few that are, that are, uh, or, that are, um, I would say open and receptive to diverse marketing, but overall the industry is locked. What, what are some of the more frequent concerns uh, that Jordan that is expressing about health? Do you think they trust the general health system? No, no. We did a study on how they felt about the healthcare system and if they felt that they could be treated fairly within our healthcare system. And only one out of 10 said that they felt that, felt that they could be treated fairly. 90% said no. We also asked uh, our audience if they trust uh, pharmaceutical companies, and 80% uh, said that they do not trust pharmaceutical companies. And so there's a lot of distrust out there, and I can get into the difference between mistrust and distrust, but our audience distrusts uh, the healthcare system, pharmaceutical companies, and so forth. And so we serve a valued – we operate in a valuable space, which is helping our audience understand who to trust, what they can trust, and so forth. One of the contemporary challenges we're facing right now is that obviously it's obvious to most of us who are doctors that this coronavirus epidemic is not going to get substantially better until there's a vaccine. 
I mean, staying in place is a good idea. Mask is a good idea. Um, but staying in place um, is going to be, those are not going to be sufficient to control this pandemic. Uh, and African Americans have a very different uh, attitude toward vaccines. Uh, and we are concerned, uh, those of us who are doctors, that this is the way forward, that uh, we're not going to take it. I uh, no, I, I, I agree 100%. We did a survey on um, would people, would our audience take the vaccine when it comes available? And 58% of our audience said no. You know, I guess you could look at it and say, well, uh, 42% said yes, but 58% said no. Another 20% said probably, but I don't feel good about it. And then 20% said yes, I'm going to take the vaccine. And so uh, I think that there's a lot of work ahead of us uh, with talking with experts like yourself and other people that our audience really recognize as true leaders in the community when it comes to health and having those hard and difficult conversations. The other thing we're seeing is that people are adamant about not taking the vaccine. I mean, you know, I mean, we've, we've touched on, we've covered touchy or sensitive topics before, but we've never seen the pushback we're getting as when we talk about the need uh, that we're, the need that we're going to have to take the vaccine because COVID-19 isn't going away. You know, and so we're going to have to, and for it to work, there has to be herd immunity, as you know. And so we've, we've got to rethink our approach to vaccines and so forth. But, you know, I also understand why there's a, a – and, and so I'm sure you do as well – why there's so much distrust with vaccines and so forth. So, you know, yeah, we've got some work ahead. Yeah, I call it appropriate paranoia. And, I, you know, I think, <laughs> I think the difference between this situation – and others is that, you know, you could you could skip polio, measles, mumps, because everybody around you was vaccinated. But here's a situation where nobody's vaccinated necessarily, and so consequently it may be the only way forward. So I think that we have to explain that to our communities. Now, I'm not, I only explain. I don't make decisions. I'm not dogmatic about it. I give people science, and they, they have to take their own decisions. Uh, and so this, this this kind of leads us into uh, one of my other questions. You know, I started Black uh, the African American Wellness Project because I was just pissed off about how we were treated in the healthcare system, both as a doctor uh, and as a patient. Uh, as a patient, you know, I, I recognized very early in the game that uh, that the system didn't expect me to ask questions, didn't expect me to challenge decisions didn't even think I needed uh, any kind of um, direction. Uh, I just was supposed to do what I was told as a black person. As a doctor, sometimes I've been invisible. I mean, you know, you go in the wards and uh, the very doctors that depend upon you for referrals and the like, uh, they uh, they don't seem to have that same level of respect. Uh, now, you've been, you've been all your life in health. You've been an athlete. You've been all this other stuff. Have you had uh, instances uh, in, in the healthcare system where you felt that system was not working for you? Well, uh, I um, I would say that uh, I I think myself and and people like me, people like you, when we go into the healthcare system, we we demand the respect. So, you know, people, the doctors know that they can tell with one conversation that uh, I'm well-informed, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to demand excellent treatment. So I think I 
get the treatment that I need. I have real conversations with doctors, and it's not a adversarial, uh, it's not an adversarial type of conversation. It's an adversarial type of conversation. It's a, it's an in-depth conversation, and I sort of let them know that the role that I expect them to play in, in my health, and 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 if it's a problem, I'll go somewhere else. But typically, you know, they they all, uh, in all my cases, they've all, all agreed that yeah, let's just make sense, let's do it. Uh, but I have been blessed to be, you know, fairly healthy. And uh, most of my conversations are when I uh, talk to them about my, my parents, who I'm blessed that they're both still alive, and, and I'm talking about their care, and I'm explaining to them what their role has to be with my parents' care. And uh, and then once they see that there's somebody there that's knowledgeable and, and going to demand their A game when it comes to treating my, my folks, then they, they step up their game. And so uh, we're able to – People like you and I, we're able to demand uh, the care that we need, but we're the vast, we're the we're we're a vast minority of people that can do that. But yes, but that's what we do. You're right. If you don't have an advocate in the system, you're screwed. I mean, right. because what happens is if you if these system doesn't think that you as a black person, you know, have somebody around you who's relatively knowledgeable, you know, then you're not going to get uh, that kind of care. I often say, if you had the same attitude uh, about health care that was poor in quality and disrespectful as you do when somebody cuts in front of you in the Safeway line, we wouldn't have this problem. (laughs) So I think that that's one of the issues. uh, And I think that's one of the very valuable services that black doctors, uh, the blackdoctor.org serves, is to give people meaningful information. So when they do go into the system, they have... um, they have uh, a, a treasury of information uh, and get the kind of proper care they need. Comment on that. Uh, no, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. There needs to be a uh, – we need to have a game plan uh, when we attack the healthcare system, absolutely. And we, we know what the uh, – we know what the uh, I guess the obstacles are. And, uh, and then also uh, taking the time to find – the right doctor that you feel comfortable with that's going to be a, a good teammate or partner in your uh, healthcare journey. But absolutely, we've got to, there needs to be some planning. Uh, we need to find that person. And all of us, I think in all of our families, we have someone that, that we can trust that uh, can help us navigate through the system and get what we want. But I think we need to be uh, very outgoing in finding that person so we can get the help, help the help that we need. Because right now, uh, we're not getting the help that we need. And, uh, you know, the other interesting thing is I think the, uh, I think telemedicine is going to help as well because, you know, we know that, uh, people of all ethnicities prefer to see a doctor of the same ethnicity. And while there aren't enough black doctors to treat all the black patients that would want to see a black doctor, I think telemedicine, uh, helps alleviate that problem to some degree. So, uh, that's exciting. Yeah, you might be interested. There was a study in today's, um, you know, on today's news about the fact that um, African American infants who were born and under the care of African American doctors uh, get have better outcomes. And I think you can go yeah. through the literature that uh, in lots of ways. But you know, as a black doctor, sometimes um, sometimes we make uh, black patients uncomfortable uh, in the sense that we're making this life and death decisions. And uh, often, uh, well, not often, but uh, more than occasionally, um, they are not comfortable with black doctors. 
Uh, and I think it says a lot about how the society has pictured the whole healthcare system. A couple of other questions. So those of us who have similar platforms um, struggle with how to keep people interested while keeping them sufficiently engaged uh, to come with it. Um, you've obviously done a lot to solve that problem and was it an evolutionary process. Not really. I mean, we were, I think we were spot on in terms of uh, what we, you know, we, 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 we sort of understood what it would take to, uh, to uh, really engage our audience. But what changed was uh, Facebook. Facebook allowed us to reach the uh, nation of, of, of black consumers. And so, you know, before Facebook, you'd have to have millions of dollars that you'd have to spend on television or radio to try to reach uh, everybody in the country to get them to see the website and come to the website. But Facebook allowed you, gave you the ability to reach the entire nation of people uh, just based on your skill set, your ability to create content and topics that people would share with family, friends, and colleagues, and so forth. And so we were able to reach our audience, grow our audience based on social media. Now, Facebook has since changed the way they uh, and so they change the level of access they give to all of your followers. They give each each Facebook page to all of its followers, but uh, but we still are able to thrive simply because we already have the, the existing relationships with, with the audience. And so uh, there's some pretty extensive reach there for us, and, and we're able to enjoy that that reach story, a, a strong reach story that we can share. Uh, as you look back on what you've done, what's the most satisfying aspect of this process? I would say the uh, I would say just the ability to uh, you know to impact people's lives in a positive in a positive way. I mean, every day, the better I do my job, the more people I help. You know, and I and I say that with everybody that we partner with too. It's just you know we're in a a really good situation that the better we do our jobs, the more people we help. And for me, it's all about helping people. You know, it's, you know, trying to find a way. To help people find the solutions that they need so that they can be healthy and happy. How much should people use your platform to, uh, as an advocate to deal with sure. the healthcare system? Sure. So uh, what we do a number of different uh, services. A, we make you smarter about uh, a particular health condition and as it relates to uh, black. So, for example, let's take let's take colon cancer, right? Uh, mainstream media states that uh, colon cancer and prostate cancer uh, also, uh, these are conditions that are 100% curable if detected in time. So it's all about screening, being screened earlier. And if you're screened at age 50, uh, then it could be a non-issue. But as you know, with blacks, uh, we need to be screened earlier at age 45. And sometimes if there's a family history, as early as age 40. And so... The, the, the value that we add is that we describe the condition in the terms that's relevant and relative to what we are as black people. The numbers and the stats that we give are the numbers for, for blacks, you know, because mainstream media has a overall picture. And, and they're not the bad guys. They're serving the audience that they uh, cater to, which is really mainstream media, white Ameri our white brothers and sisters, and, and, and that's fine. But what we do is we service our audience. We give our audience the information we need, the culturally accurate contents we need, so that we're more informed. Secondly, we have a uh, doctor search tool on our site. So if you wanted to uh, find a black doctor in your area, you could go to our doctor search tool. And, and we've expanded that database to not only be black doctors, but culturally sensitive doctors, doctors that understand that 
you know, our outlook and our perspective may be different from theirs, and they don't see that as a bad thing. They understand that cultures are different, and, and so they're open and receptive to uh, taking the necessary steps to make sure that their messaging is resonating with, with, us, with us as black patients. And so we've got a doctor search tool. We have uh, newsletters. We do Facebook Lives. We have, um, uh, we, we have avenues where our audience can talk to leading experts across conditions who look like them and have their best interests at heart. So it's a really special uh, environment. And then the editorial content centers around how to do it, you can do it type of content. So typically when you read something on BDO, you're going to, uh, there's a takeaway there that says, man, I'm glad I read this. Now I can do such and such. Thank you, Mr. Warren. That was tremendous interview, uh, tremendous commitment to uh, getting African-Americans uh, meaningful and trusted embedded health information, which they so desperately need. So those of you who are interested in that kind of information, please look for blackdoctors.org. So the one thing I was struck by was that after all the accolades you've collected and the career you've had, why did you start Black Doctor Speak? I started Black Doctor Speak partially in response to my interest and admiration for blackdoctors.org. I have noticed through the years in the conversation on health issues in this country, especially those related to African Americans, black doctors are seldom consulted and asked about their opinion. They're seldom able to talk directly to the American public, especially the African American public. You have some organizations like the National Medical Association that provide tremendous information. But I thought an organization or a platform which is unrestricted by some of the institutional uh, issues that prevent you from speaking out in a timely fashion directed to the public would be important. And uh, so far we've been very encouraged by the response that we've had to this platform. I completely agree. Uh, as the person who works on our social media and such, it's amazing to see uh, the impact we're actually having on people's lives. One thing I think it's very topical, especially right now, that was alluded to in the interview is that there's a distrust of vaccines among black people. Why is that? Well, I think that African-Americans have a healthy paranoia about vaccines. Certainly the story of Tuskegee is an issue. And there are a lot of myths about vaccines. All vaccines have been studied extensively for effectiveness and safety. When I first started in practice, there were maybe five or six vaccines. Now there are at least 16. And I think we would be remiss here in our podcast that we didn't discuss the fact that the flu vaccine is now available and people should seriously consider getting that flu vaccine. It'll be a year somewhere between 29 and 50,000 people die from the flu. It's going to be much more complicated now because if you're not vaccinated and you do get the flu, the question is, do you have the coronavirus? And so consequently now that we know uh, that there are subsequently second, uh, in some instances, at least a couple of instances around the world, where people who were reinfected with the coronavirus, that really complicates things. Well, you need to be at least open to a discussion about vaccinations, especially how the coronavirus differs from others. And secondly, you need to get a flu vaccine so that, A, you don't get the flu, and, B, it's not confused with a potential coronavirus infection. Agreed. And so do you recommend getting the vaccine when one is available for coronavirus, or is it just too early to tell? I think it's too 
early for us to make a recommendation, and we will make one. But you can believe that when we make one, we have looked at all of the data on efficacy and safety before we make that judgment. I just want to wrap up on this last question, because um, I know you and Mr. Ware spoke about kind of the state of the healthcare media industry. What is your hope for the healthcare media industry moving forward? I think we struggled over the last many years with what we call health equity. That means that African-Americans carry a bigger burden of chronic disease than they should based upon the resources this country has to take care of them. And so consequently, I'm hopeful that as we start to recognize that black lives matter, black health matters too, and that we use the methods of communication that are now prevalent in our country to talk about in many different kinds of ways, early detection, disease prevention, specific disease management, how to engage the healthcare system. By not using the media and methods of communication such as this, we lose a tremendous opportunity to have an impact on our community. I completely agree with that, and it just makes perfect sense. Hopefully we start to see there be more parity and equity as we move forward, and I think we are because we're starting to see organizations like ourselves and other people really take up the mantle and be part of this fight. As usual, Jason, we and I could talk about these things all day, but uh, we've run out of time. So I'd like to thank Reggie Ware, and I'd like to thank those of you who took the time to listen to our program today. Remember, health is your biggest asset, so protect it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lenore. Remember, listeners, Black Doctors Speak is a weekly podcast sponsored by the Ask American Wellness Project, the Markel Lenore Endowment, and the Dan Weinstein Family Fund. Continue the conversation with us on social media at Black Doctors Speak, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and at Black Docs Speak on Twitter. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.